In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Uh, I love these scriptures on All Saints Day, for we hear these very beautiful words that after we hear the testimony of all the saints that have gone before us, the, the power of their lives, the testimony of their lives, uh, we hear these words from the author of Hebrews, God having provided something better for us. We just exalt them. We, are, we honor them. And he says, He's provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. That this is a, this is a community of saints. We're part of the community of saints. That they're not perfected apart from us. That He's providing something better for us. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, surrounded. Well, I love the icons. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God on high. Glory to Jesus Christ, our Lord, God, and Savior. What a joy it is to be included in this number. What a powerful witness they are, but to understand that we live, in, in, in a sense, kind of in a two-tiered uh, relationship. The one tier we live on is very visible to us. It's the one right here in front of us. And, and we see it and touch it, and it, it, it's, it's kind of, it, 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 it dominates our life. It's that which is around us, what we wake up to, what we see all the time when we come to church, all the things we have to deal with. All the stuff, this stuff is what we see. But there's another tear, and that's the tear of the Lord, the tear of the Mother of God, the tear of the saints, and the tear of the angels. Both of them are critical for us to, to contemplate and to engage in terms of our Christian life. So the first tier, Father John Braun spoke about it a bit ago, that that tier is there for we must engage this relationship with each other. We must be reconciled to one another. That's why we exchange the peace. Christ is in our midst. He is and shall be. That peace together, that work we do to maintain reconciliation is a critical piece in our salvation. The, the, the other piece that we see here in relation to this, our life here is our, our faith. We pro proclaim it before we start the communion of the faithful. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible and so on. We make that commitment to our faith. That's that horizontal relationship we have. But we also have this vertical relationship with Christ and the heavenly hosts. And, and it's, it's an interesting development in my own life. I have more hope now in that than I have in this. Does that bother you? Because I, I have more hope in them than I have in you. 
I don't mean that in a negative way. What I mean that in a way is the hope in them is powerful. I hope in you. You guys are great folks. I love this community. I love everybody in this community. You're great people. You step up. You do incredible things for each other. It's a wonderful group of people. You struggle to live the faith. It's great. But the, it's greater up there. It's so much greater up there. It's so powerful up there. We just, we just, don't, we just don't see it enough. We see this level. We just don't see that level. But that level is so right for us. When we come in here, we ought to pause every time we walk in and just do a circle in the middle of the church and look around the saints that surround you, the saints that pray for you. They pray for you. You know, people say that we, we talk about the, the icons as being windows to heaven. Did you know there are two-way windows? You know, sometimes they come to you. It's not just you going to them. Sometimes they come to you. We had that experience here, that beautiful little icon when you walk in that's encased in that little glass, that St. Zinia of St. Petersburg. One time our ladies were praying to her, asking her intercession, and one of our, one, one of our ladies had a, a very sick daughter. And so she prayed to St. Zinia that St. Zinia would visit her daughter. Well, she took the icon home, and on the far left-hand corner of the icon, oil started to seep out. So she took the oil, and she anointed her daughter with the oil, and her daughter was made well just like this. The visitation of the saints, the power of the saints. How many, how many times did Mama sit down and beg God, and just the one intercession of the saint was enough? One intercession of the saint was enough. What a beautiful thing. Years ago, um, before St. Raphael, who's back there, who greets you, who greets you when you come in. You may not greet him, but he greets you. He says good morning to you every time. Good morning, Troy. How are you today? St. Raphael. Say, they greet us. They're, they are coming to us in a beautiful way. St. Raphael, before he was... Uh, canonized, Bishop Basil told me, I said, you know, I've got a lot of people that are just wayward, strugglers. And he said, begin to pray to St. Raphael. You know, his life on this earth was to go collect the lost sheep. That was what he did as a bishop. That's all he did as a bishop. Collect the lost sheep. Start churches and collect the lost sheep. He'd go into a town and he'd find all the Orthodox people that didn't have a church or a community and he'd ask them, have you baptized your children? No, he'd baptize the babies. Have you been married? Do you want to get married? He'd marry them. He'd have a church service and he'd commune them all. He'd confess them all. Then he'd get on the train and go to the next town. He died when he was 54. Because he worked himself to heaven. You thought I was going to say death, didn't you? Worked himself to heaven. Bishop Basil said, pray to him for these people. And I will tell you what began to happen. They came back like in droves. I, I said one time, right after we were praying for several years for this, I called them and I said, we had prodigal Pascha. <laughs> every one of those folks that I was praying for, almost everyone, came back. Not because I had some magic words. Not because I was such an, a charismatic priest. 
because of the prayers of the saints. The prayers of the saints are powerful, beloved. The prayers of the saints are incredibly powerful. We need to understand and engage that and be so thankful for that part of our Christianity that we engage this life, this heavenly realm. Uh, there's a great story of St. Grassum, uh, Father Grassum in uh, St. Herman in Alaska was buried uh, in, uh, on, on, on Spruce Island. And uh, St. Grassum went to visit the island and to take care of the, the church where St. Herman was buried. And he came in on Pascha. And he said, uh, when he walked into the church, he said, Christ is risen. And from the tomb he heard, indeed he is risen. St. Herman proclaimed back, he, indeed he is risen. St. Uh, Garrison said, uh, went to the bishop and said, I want to spend the rest of my life right here. Why? Because of the power of the saint. The power of the saint. His presence, his presence. It's real. It's touchable. If you ever have an opportunity to go to the, the, uh, the uh, church in San Francisco, the Holy Virgin Mary, where St. John Maximovich is, is entombed. It's a holy place. He's present there. They had a, uh, there's a great tradition that's kind of grown up out of St. John. Uh, all you people just write letters and they put the re prayer request in the letter and they put it under his tomb. And many, many of those requests have been answered just under his tomb. Why? Because this realm, beloved, this heavenly realm is so powerful, so wonderful, so much for us to engage. So I, I just want to encourage you to pray to, to your patron saint. Pray to the mother of God. Ask her intercession. You know, I was looking at this uh, in regard to some of the things we ask, you know, to for St. Athanasius at the end of our his troparian of his of his of, of his uh, of the hymn we sing, sing to him it says grant us this is our request grant us abundant mercy how many of you would like abundant mercy no I don't see all your hands up come on abundant mercy where can you get that from God through him Abundant mercy, St. Athanasius, please bless us with abundant mercy. We pray to uh, the martyr Timothy and Morris saying, through their supplications, save our souls. Salvation. They pray for our salvation. We say to the martyr Irene, entreat the blessings of peace for us all. To, uh, to St. John the theologian, Beg him to grant us peace and great mercy. And then to uh, St. Mokios, beautiful one, pray, intercede ceaselessly for us. In other words, when we ask his prayer, he doesn't stop praying. It, you know, it's really an interesting phenomenon or a, a struggle in our Christian life to begin to engage the fact that, you know, when we pray, we do our prayer and then we stop. You know, when, we, when they pray, they don't stop. 
When you ask a saint to pray for you or pray for somebody you love, they don't stop praying. It's, it's a ceaseless prayer. It's an eternal prayer. So we have to, I, I would just encourage us all to, to step into that level and, and be so encouraged by it um, that um, we, we um, take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. For your children, for your loved ones, find their patron saints and pray to their patron saint for them. How much more their prayer? The prayer of a righteous man affects, is, is, is affects much. Effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Okay? That is a critical thing for us. And the righteous in heaven, their prayer is very powerful for us. So I just encourage us to make, make that uh, our effort. That we would engage them in our spiritual life. Um, but we're all called in this sense, I'm going to make a little switcher, we're all called here to be saints. So how do we make this effort? We make this effort communally, in faith, in peace. We make the effort in relationship to our prayer. But we also have spiritual struggles that we must also engage to, uh, to make that effort to be saintly people. Uh, I had a beautiful time with uh, my brothers, my brother clergy. Um, we get together about once a month here, uh, the Orthodox clergy uh, Father John Summer brought this teaching from uh, Archpriest Valeri Lukanov. Um, and it's a very beautiful thing because it talks about not judging. How do we, how do we um, engage a saintly life? By not judging. He titles it, Not Judging is Salvation Without Effort. Not judging is salvation without effort. You know, you have to make an effort to judge. Just don't make the effort. You have to make an effort to judge. Don't make the effort. It sits right in front of you and you see it and you have to make an effort to do it. Don't do it. You know, the beautiful, we have Elder Pablo's coming this, uh, this week uh, on Saturday after Vespers. He's going to speak. And he spoke a little bit on this. And he was saying that uh, even those that struggle, that kind of understand this, they begin to make excuses so that they won't judge. He was talking about the story of a monk that was walking through this monastery and he walked to a cell and the cell was totally messy, unkept. And he said, uh, oh, this monk must be so prayerful. He doesn't have time to take care of his cell. He must pray so much he has no time for his, for his cell. What a beautiful monk this must be. The next cell he walks to is immaculate. And he says, oh, this monk's soul must be so perfect. It may, he must keep it just like he keeps his room. What a good monk this must be. See, no effort to judge. Always effort to see something good in there. What a powerful thing. So let me read a couple of excerpts from this that will help us live this saintly life um, and to, to include us in that great throng. Um, this is from uh, St. Theophan, uh, and it talks about uh, the struggle we have with um, not looking at other people, not, not looking down at other people. So Self-praise and condemnation of others are the most common thing among us. The evil heart, the very rot of rottenness, never, nevertheless trumpets. 
That's me, the evil heart, the very rotten of rottenness, never less trumpets. I'm not like the rest of them. How many ways of this do we say is beyond counting? I've seen some committing the gravest sin in secret without exposure. And their supposed purity, and they have harshly invaded against persons who have committed petty fallenness in public. So I think the struggles here for us, the importance here, is that we just understand that part of our nature, our fallen nature, is that we lean toward looking down toward at others. We, we lean toward that. It's a struggle. We, and, it, and we're bent in that direction. You know, my, my encouragement to you is when you see someone that, that concerns you, that and you discern something wrong in them, that you don't judge them, you pray for them. In fact, God, I would say this, God has given you that discernment so that you will pray for them. He shows you that weakness. He shows you that sin, not so that you would judge, but so you would pray, because he wants to affect them, change them through your prayer. Through your prayer through your discernment, through you seeing something wrong in another person, you are called to pray for them because God wants to affect a change in you, in them, through you. So, so understand that. The things don't just come like uh, randomly to us. We don't see things randomly. We think God see, gives them to us purposefully. So I'd encourage us in that too. Um, and then also, um, he says, to be careful in regard to this judging, he says, be careful of uh, gossiping. And this is a, a pretty profound way to, to state this. He says, the injury of sin of judgment is indeed great. For this sin generates innumerable pernicious consequences. It shatters the bonds between friends and kindles quarrels among relatives and plants envy among people, discredits the good name of a person. In fact, if someone hears something defamatory about another, can he be in a position to think well of him? Will he not be prone to denigrate him in his mind and condemn him? And this is pleasing to God? Let us pay attention to how easily a slander begins to touch the weakness of a neighbor. As soon as he notices that we agree with his condemnation, there immediately comes out of his mouth a thousand words and he covers the wretched victim with shame from head to toe. And the listener often not only does not stop the sinful conversation, but adds to it a little bit. You know, we've, always been, we've all been in that circumstance where we've kind of let our mouth go and talk too much about another person. And it, it shatters the relationship, it pulls back. So my encouragement is to a very simple, very simple spiritual uh, effort. It's called zip it. <laughs> See that? There's a little, there's a little, uh, there's a little, uh, little cord right here. And when you start feeling that urge to gossip, you know what you do? Zip it. Let it calm down, and it'll go away. Make no effort. No effort to judge, no effort to pass it on. Just zip it. You know, we, we, we talked about this. It was really interesting because it's a struggle. It's a struggle for everybody. 
to not just let your mouth start rolling over the problem of another person. And so I would just say it's better to be quiet. And that's the last encouragement uh, here, and that is to practice the practice of, he says, the practice of non-criticism. This is very beautiful. I'll end with this. The virtue of non-criticism. The virtue of non-criticism is closely bound with a gift of silence, which is compared to a pure, precious metal. Talk is silver, silence is gold. For silence is the mystery of the age to come. Quiet and silence and behavior are the greatest adornment of the Christian. Quiet and silence and, and behavior is the greatest adornment of the Christian. St. Nihilus, the faster, says, Do not seek greedily the expanses of life, but it is better to seek out the narrow and close path. For this reason, we have been given two ears and one tongue, so that we might hear more for our salvation than we say. So how many ears do you have? How many tongues do you have? So you must hear more than you say. Very powerful. How just is it also ethical teaching of St. Gregory the Dalich is more praiseworthy to silently endure insult than to conquer it with a reply. The venerable seraphim adds, no one has ever repented of silence. <laughs> no one has ever repented. You've, always, you've repented of too many words, but never of silence. Therefore, it becomes clear many pages of the patristic soul-saving works are dedicated to the concentration of silence. Beloved, we have a great cloud of witnesses around us, an opportunity to, to uh, entreat their prayers, but to stand also in oneness with each other and oneness with them. May we embrace the same struggles they embraced. May our efforts be granted the great mercy and grace that their efforts are granted, and may we be all counted worthy of the heavenly kingdom. Name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.